Let's go. Okay. You are now listening to the Poptimus Podcast, and today our guest is Blake. What's your last name? Berglund. Blake Berglund. Yeah. Berglund. Okay. Scandinavian, Swedish. I'm a Swedish descent. Mm. Berglund from Saskatchewan, Canada. Hey. Canada, yeah. So you're uh, down in Nashville. You came down tonight for a show that you played at the American Legion over in East Nashville. Yeah, it's a good hang over there. I've yeah. been coming down to this part of the country, honestly. I'm 34 years old and I've run a career in Canada for about 12 years. And it was just one, literally one morning. I was like, well, it's time to head south now. So I jumped in the van and I went on a bit of a road trip for five weeks, just sort of scoping out the different communities through America that support the style of music that I'm trying to put out right now. Um, and I found myself really falling in love with Kentucky and falling in love with kind of the, what, what's happening on the east side of Nashville right now. It's good. So we, I loaded up the, the wife and the kids, my band and not actual kids, but my bandmates, and we... Same difference? Same shit, yeah. And we have been <coughs> on the road for three weeks now, and we're on the road for another four weeks, and we have a, you know, we, we went through the whole visa process, so we have a working visa, American working visa, until September 2018, and I'm the type of guy that likes to take full advantage of shit like that, so we're going to be touring the states continuously until next fall. Awesome, man. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, I think Wes mentioned that tonight. So what was that process like of having to apply for a visa like that? Uh, it was good. Uh, I'm a part of the union. Uh, my father, I don't think I'll ever tell my dad that. He's a right-winger from southeastern Saskatchewan. So the fact that I'm even part of the union, he, you know, I joke, I bug him about it. But I'm part of the AFM, the American Federation of Musicians. We have the CFM. They're an okay. affiliate in Canada, Canadian Federation of Musicians. Okay. And they just do what they can do for that process to go as smoothly as possible. And it was just that for us. You hear horror stories mm. and we were lucky. We had our shit together and we put it, uh, submitted on time and we gave ourselves enough time to get it back. And yeah, we were, we were stamped to go until next, next September. And is, is it the full band? Did everybody mm -hmm. get the visas too? Okay. Yeah, so the process is whether it's just you by yourself applying for the working visa, but with musicians, I, geez, I think it's $20 American per bandmate to be on the same visa. So you're silly not to include yeah. your room or your roommates. Your, they, they are roommates at yeah. one point, but the bandmates. Um, so yeah, we are, we're all on the working visa. Uh, they're not... They don't have to do all the dates with me, but I know they're, I mean, it's our band, so they'll, they're, it's going to be a good year of all of us together on the road in the States, yeah. That's cool, man. Yeah. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank so you're going to be kind of living in, in Nashville, or are you going to be trying to create a home base here? Uh, I'm a, I like the industry. I've always liked the industry. When I was first starting music, back when I was, I don't know, I was 18 or 17 or something like that, there was a book that came out called the Indie Bands Bible or the Indie Bible or something like that by Mark McAway. And he was a guitarist out of a, like an all-Canadian rock group from the late 90s, early 2000s, mm -hmm. mid-90s. Moist was their name out of Vancouver. So Mark McAway was a guitarist. <clears throat> And they were a renowned independent group. I mean, they gained quite a bit of success nationally and I'm sure internationally. But he put this book together and it was just really inspiring, the whole idea of the independent musician. I guess it was sort of, you know, I came out of a punk scene, so that was sort of the only approach because there wasn't a huge industry behind sure. punk music in yeah. the 90s. Um, so I was really like inspired by the whole hustle and that became, that sort of has developed with me as an artist in the same way that my music has developed with me as an artist because they came at the same time. You, I only knew just to do shit myself and I continue to do shit myself. So it's, it's the hustle. I don't know. 
I could talk forever on stuff like that. I even forget the question. Yeah, so uh, what kind of punk bands were you into growing up? Like, who were your influences? It was bad. Not not good influences. Come on. I, I, dish it. I want to hear it. No, I mean, it was that weird... I shouldn't even call it punk because it was Blink. And I like still like Blink. Yeah. But we, sure. I, was, I was influenced by that. And then there was this weird, like... Scream! There was a post screamo thing where the guys that were uh -huh. screaming started to put these acoustic albums, and I know Dallas Green got gained success because of that with City and Color. Uh -huh. So he's a Canadian act, and I was impressionable by that movement. So I went from screaming as much as, I, and I love fucking grunge music. So I, I don't know. Do we start at the beginning? Should we yeah. Start at the, okay. So I was in high school, and it was a blank thing, and then I was always grew up in grunge and started a group with a buddy called The New Weapon and we listened to a lot of Soundgarden and a lot of Alice in Chains and all R.I.P. Chris Cornell oh man yeah R.I.P. everybody yeah I know everyone's dying dude wow. isn't it bizarre like all these, all these, all these people—they're all baby boomers. Yeah, that's and true. That, it's true. And it's time. R.I.P. Tom Petty. Fuck. Yeah. I know. I know, but it's time. People die. Like, okay, we're taking a hard right, but we're getting into. I I texted you earlier saying, "Are you? We're gonna go deep tonight." Yeah. But um, it's people need are looking morality in the face right now, and it's being given to us forcefully with. Uh -huh. uh, we're being forced to look immorality in the face with what we're fed yeah. on TV with, with you know what is happening in the world with uh, the what happened in Las Vegas we're forced to look immor look immorality and it's what are you taking away from that I don't know and then in, it's I don't think it's by chance that you are forced to look at it in a different way of a very successful musician that has left an impression with his art and he passed the same day and it's a different view of morality and it forces all of us to just be like okay this is what's fucking real and this is what we have the capability of doing and i don't know that it, that's kind of crazy to think about it that way yeah i, well, I guess it was, I didn't it was a very it was there's a, two extremes it's both extremes given yeah. to us in one day yeah as, a, as an empathetic species that's, yeah that's very it's, true it's like the way it's Petty. supposed to be he was he was the, the like the symbol of uh of what you could be if you put your mind body and spirit into it and remain youthful. Yeah, he remained youthful. For sure, he like, did. How old was Tom Petty? He's older than my dad. Yeah, and my dad, my dad's fucking. He's had a go at it, man. He, yeah, he drank a lot and he smoked a lot and he worked a lot, but Tom Petty was well, maybe fuck. You know what? My dad's here. And yeah, I don't know. I don't yeah. Know. It's Tom Petty was a very youthful artist, right to the bitter end. I guess is the roundabout point I'm trying to make. Yeah, he's uh, he was really something, man. I, I saw him uh, a couple weeks ago. He was well, it was probably a couple months ago. And now here, he came here at Bridgestone, and I worked down there. And uh, man, he was. They sounded good, dude. Oh, they were really fucking good. Oh like, yeah. There wasn't a bad, and you know what? Joe Walsh opened for him, and yeah. that was fucking cool. Joe Walsh is definitely oh. my favorite Eagle. Yeah, I got to see Joe Cocker open up for him. Really? Oh, it was amazing. And it, it was in 2012, so it's yeah. like right at the end of, not the bitter end, but the end of Joe Cocker's life and yeah. career, and he fucking killed it. Like That's really cool. I hate to say he stole the show, but Joe Cocker had years of experience on Petty. Yeah, he still brought sure. it, and it was like these two master crafts of what they do, duking it out. And man, Joe Cocker was a hard act to follow. Yeah, Petty slayed it. It was the best concert. That's cool. Fuck, it was awesome. Yeah, I went with my good buddy Travis. Ran a bomb news when we got the first round of news that Tom Petty had passed away, which apparently was unclear. Trav was the first to tell me because we went to that concert together. Uh, I mean, I, I was... Who isn't influenced by what Tom Petty was doing? Yeah, man. But to, I wasn't... He's not a massive influence of mine, but then again, you look at... How... Why, sh, why how isn't he? Why wouldn't he be? He's He has so many consistent hits. And you know, uh, I think with Tom Petty, you can't tell... 
you can't tell which eras are which. Like, if you listen to a Greatest Hits album, yeah. like, Mary Jane's Last Dance, I, I thought that song was released in the 70s. It was released in, like, 1993 or something totally. like that, yeah. Totally. That's, like, La La yeah, Love, the same type of artist. You just don't know it's it's timeless. Yeah, it is. It really is. It, I don't know, man. I They were they were such a great show. Mm-hmm. Um, I just... I was such a, I think a fan, like, Tom Petty, you, like, it's surprising when you listen to him, you're like, oh, I know every single one of these songs. Yeah. Yeah, you can sing all the hits. I was, yeah. like, like a, I mean, I listened to Damn the Torpedoes for the first time uh, this May. First time I've ever listened to that record from front to back. I put it on my, I realized I was missing out a whole bunch of classic shit, and, like, once you start realizing what you haven't listened to yet, you're like, whoa, what else haven't I listened to yet? Exactly. And I put on my Facebook one day, I'm like, okay, classic records, like, what do I need to catch up on? Yeah. And it was just, like, one of the most action I've ever had on a fucking Facebook post before. And the second person was like, damn the torpedoes. And I was like, holy shit, I've never listened to that record before. And it's fucking timeless. Interesting. Yeah, we're living in a different time, man. I think a lot of people are super cynical about the day and age that we live in music-wise. But the way I look at it, dude, I could I could be 53 and I'm still going to find a record from 1976 that I haven't listened to yet that I can get into. Like, it, it, we have so much of a back catalog mm-hmm. of so many genres and styles of music like, I really feel like this is a time I'm supposed to exist in because there's all this limitless, limitless possibilities of music that we can listen to. And there's so many things that we can find that are just going to, they're going to be good. And they're going to be, no one heard them yet. Yeah. Like, or people have heard them, you just haven't heard them yet because there's so much out there. So, I have a couple questions for you. Yes. Um... Are you a Chuck Klosterman fan, Klosterman? Oh, yeah, for sure. Okay, so I don't know if it's his newest book, but I think it's like, What If We're Wrong? I think it's what it's called. Uh-huh. And he approaches... Ah, oh, damn, I can't even remember what the gist of the book is. It's basically... He talks about pop culture and what, out of music today, what is going to represent rock and roll. Like, uh-huh. what is that iconic figure that will, oh, that will represent God, rock and roll? This, and this it'll is be, definitely... Yeah, it'll be something that is... Rather obscure, um, son of a bitch, I can't even remember what, I'm, I'm going to blow the ending of this, well, I'm not going to blow it because I can't remember who he chose, I need to revisit the book, but if you, uh, that was my first point I wanted to make just to see if you are a Klosterman fan, yeah. A, yeah. and B, um, I don't think artists talk enough about music that they've never listened to yeah i think that is all as impressionable on your art and to admit that and to talk about that like it's use pop culture for example let's talk about uh what's a classic record that you've never listened to before you've never heard me uh, a classic record i've never heard damn dude i don't even know like that's that's i feel like i've just stumbled upon so many random things a classic record that I've never heard. I can tell you a classic record I wasn't really able Pump, to get Aerosmith. through. I've never actually listened to Pump by Aerosmith. A uh-huh. classic record. I've never listened to it before. Once you start thinking in terms like that, you're like, fuck, you're, you're right. There's so much music. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's limitless, man. There's just, there's so much. And it can be literally any, any style, any genre, you know. Yeah. I think, I think it's a beautiful thing that we're, uh, that we're in this day and age yeah. with with this kind of with this much option for music yeah and I think um, it's like oftentimes dude being here in Nashville everyone can be really cynical sometimes about music and music business and just like the one thing I feel like is, is a struggle here is to just keep in mind like the music is why I do it is because it feels so good man like I don't know. I feel like not everybody here is motivated by that sometimes. I love Nashville. Don't get me wrong. I love Nashville and I love living here, but it's like a... So what is the ground-level music community like in this city? Because there's the obvious corporate music community, and that's just... I'm sure sure who doesn't uh, aspire to that in this city. But what is the total ground-level indie movement? Uh, 
there's what's the there's a label from down here infinity cat is that the label mm. you know, i think um, that's the label i've heard a lot about them it's more indie stuff it's not country maybe they do have country i don't know but like what's the ground level scene I'm, like in nashville as far as the indie stuff goes man i i don't know you know i think it all depends like uh Everyone is really off, I would say, in, in general in Nashville. I have a friend, I have a friend, Richard, who, yes, go for it, who talked to me. He's been here, he lived here throughout the 70s, okay? He, he would tell me stories about, like, how he knew uh, Merle Haggard and how he knew um, I wish. Waylon Jennings and, like, all those guys and, and, like, knew them in some fashion and would play with them. Who is this? This is this guy. He was the groundskeeper at my job. Just this old musician guy. His name was Richard. He's awesome. Man, but, badass. Yeah. So he would just talk to me about it all the time. And he was the one who first told me, he's like, Nashville is like a beehive. And every scene is the honeycomb. He, a honeycomb. Hmm. And the honeycombs stay intact with one, one another. You know, like Broadway's, it, it feels like its own scene. And then... East Side. East Side is definitely its own scene. And then the blues scene is its own scene. And it's, um, there's not much cross-pollination that goes on. Mm. And I think it's a shame. I feel like these scenes stay really, uh, can stay really incestuous, and like incestuous, you know? And it's just like the same thing over and over and over again. Because and we played the we played the scene gig tonight on a Tuesday night. For sure, for what I do for sure, right? Absolutely, yeah. And I, I don't think I don't think it's a bad thing. Don't don't get me wrong, but it's just like I, music politics a little bit. Fuck you guys. For sure, yeah. Do the thing. Yeah, I mean, for and, sure. And with that said, it was a great fucking show. It was for sure. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, you guys sounded great tonight. Thank um, you. And by the way, okay, so. We went to the American Legion 82 on Gallatin Pike in East Nashville tonight. Tuesday nights, there is a country western night. And it's, uh, it's really fucking cool. Um, you walk into that American Legion, dude. I felt like I was on a Coen Brothers set. Yeah, it's like, totally Coen Brothers. It was Brothers, just like man. very, very... Uh, That's the appeal. Yeah, it's, it, it, I, I fucking loved it. As soon as we walked in, that was the first thing we talked about. When I first walked in there, I was like, wow, a place actually still exists like this in Nashville. Yeah. Well, and I didn't know if it was ironic, my first experience, if I was like, is this a joke on me or is this actually the real deal? It's real. It's real, it's, dude. But the characters, there's all these different characters. Yeah. And they're, it's, it's, it, they live this lifestyle yeah of fucking western music and it's badass i've i've never been okay obviously i've been fucking influenced by western music yeah i love uh i i have joked for years and i'm gonna have a western swing project called called the well swung licks something like that the big swing and licks that's uh -huh. what it was anyways i don't know so i'm influenced by obviously the traditional music but that's like pure Western influence down at the Legion. That culture. Oh yeah. Straight up fucking. It's authentic. Price, and it's authentic and yeah. Yeah, it's uh I dig it. I mean, obviously it's fucking real country music, it's badass. Yeah, yeah, it's it's pretty cool. I think there's there's a few other places around town that do something like that. Um I really like uh like all that shit, you know, it, 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 it's like, and you can tell it's, it's musicians enjoying what they're playing. Oh, totally. Yeah. And, and I think that's, what's so great. Like, um, I think that's probably what's cool about the, uh, the Western scene, I guess here. Cause there is one, there's like a, a scene for everything, no matter how small it is, yeah, there's man. this group of people that like to get together and it's cool because I've been to a, a bunch of different, different ones now and you can just go. Like, there's a great blues jam on Tuesday nights at the country. Um, Kara runs it. Um, but it's just it's just so interesting to see the way that different people also run the jams. Mm -hmm. And, like, I think a lot of um, the way that things are run sometimes are dependent on the person's personality. 
Um, and that's kind of what I like about it because you can feel kind of the way that what they think about music and how they feel about musicians. Yeah, well, they treated us great. Yeah. It reminds me I was supposed to meet Brennan halfway through the night and we had to leave for the, do this podcast and I didn't. Is didn't, that the guy who runs the jam? I didn't square up with him. <laughs> it's all good. Uh, yeah, Brennan. Yeah, I met Brendan um, last September. I was hanging out at a party on the Sunday of Americana Fest. It was a gumbo party. Uh, I think it was J.P. Harris. He, says. he has a gumbo party in East Nashville. Anyways, Brendan was there, and I met him, and he extended himself in a very welcoming way and told me that he had this gig at the Legion, and if I ever needed the show or was interested in playing, just to give him an email, and I did that, lining this tour up, and he was one of the first people to respond with a rock-solid 100% commitment to a show. So really, that Legion gig was one that sparked um, our entire tour, to be honest. Perfect. So this was kind of our show that we've been looking forward to the longest. Is this the, is this the first show of this tour? Oh, it's, I don't know, it's like 15th. Okay. Maybe not even 15th, maybe 10th. I don't know. We had some really good shows right before this week. Uh, the two weeks before, we were in North Carolina with Tyler Childers and with Coulter Wall and with The Dead Nice. Stuff. And then we did a Kentucky gig, or before that, we did a Kentucky gig with Jason Needy, who's a Texas songwriter that's one of, a huge influence on what I'm doing. Um... Those were really neat, and then we headed down to Al. They're playing sold out fucking shows. It's crazy. Like, I've played sold out shows before, but not like that kind of sold out. That's cool, man. Very. So nice. it was a super, super fun little run, and then we went down to Alabama, and we played two shows in Alabama. They're their own state, hey. They're wonderful. They yeah. treated us like gold, but they're definitely the personalities in Alabama are their own. I have I haven't experienced a personality like the people of Alabama. Oh, what do you? How would you describe the personality? Well, it's just um, it's it's nature and nurture. There's areas of their belief system that are is nurtured into them from a young age, and their nature is to be all giving and uh, welcoming and caring and loving. Wow, that's so beautiful. But it's strange, hey, because. They will give you the shirt off their back, but then uh, they're on the fucking side. They they really push the Confederacy and the South. And I I'm trying to understand it because I'm I'm fucking Canadian, man. Like sure. we know about the Civil War. We know we're we're we may be I wouldn't say we're as educated on it as Canadian uh, battles or even our relationship with the First Nations communities. Anyways, that's a whole other story. Um, um, where was I going? I don't know. I think... I don't really know what I, what to what to believe on it. You know, I, I think also coming from the North... Oh, Alabama. You're talking yeah. about personalities in Alabama. Yeah. Yeah, so there's the... They, they still... I don't know. I met people that are still pro-Confederacy without acknowledging the slavery aspect of it or sure. even being on the right side of that as far as I'm fucking concerned. So, what do you do? Like, I I learned, um, I made great relationships with great people. And then there's the other side, the ones that are super liberal that are within that community and they have a beautiful outlook on life that is, how can you not be influenced by that? So it's this weird little thing going on that I noticed. Um, we played a house concert and they were, I believe, more politically left. Um, the community that we played for was politically left, but a portion of the people that showed up that night had some really backwards fucking ideas that they believed in. Yeah, you know, I think down south, I mean, the the culture is just a little bit different. I don't really know how to how to explain it. You know, moving down here from what I like to consider the the deep north of the the frigid uh, the frigid landscape that is Maine. Um, you know, growing up in Maine, I, it was a pretty uh, socially liberal place on the coast, mm -hmm. but inland is very conservative. 
So, there were always these, definitely, these two, two kind of, um, like, strong beliefs. Like, Mainers are very, like, strong personality and strong, like, I don't know how to describe it. You know, it's, it's sure. New England. Yeah. Like, yeah. that, yeah, you yeah. know, like, yeah. that kind of. That was the Yankees. Right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, I think, I think it just ingrains something a little bit different in you. I, I don't know what, uh... Well, we're nurtured from the day we're born. It's like you have to take into account where a person comes from before making any judgment on their personality, before making any judgment on where they are in their lives. You need to always account from their... Their culture. Their cult. Well, even just one step back to their upbringing and the personalities that they're raised around... I don't know. I try and have an empathetic heart to people that I try and I try and show empathy to people that are racist because you think because they're taught that and you think that you can actually unteach that. So why push them away so fucking quickly and be so resistant instead of just bringing them a little bit closer to you in your life mm -hmm. and actually connecting with them and changing them. Not 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 arguing, not fighting. Just truly fucking extend the love, and those ideas can change. So when you're talking about, you know, being a product of, you know, you're from Maine, and there's these personality traits that come in with you, you're gonna, mm -hmm. you know, you have that shit forever. Yeah, but for when sure. it arises, say it's a negative one, or what someone else would see as a negative one. When it uh -huh. arises, just gotta face it and fucking head on, and do your best to not exercise it. And that has been my approach with that issue is just being like, instead of pushing them away and throwing them to the wolves, bring them in a little bit closer, try and make a change, and there you go. The world's a better fucking place. There was some... Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I think any Ben, what do you think? There's another guy yeah, here, Yeah, man. yeah. Yeah, uh, Ben, Ben, Ben Luchka's here. He's a, he's a friend of mine. This is uh, the first time he's on the podcast. Um, well, I mean, as far as the, uh, what, what we're kind of talking about with the, confederacy issues that are happening south i can kind of speak from um some some kind of stories and kind of ideas uh behind my uh, grandfather so i think it's either my probably my my great great grandfather was in the confederacy so my grandfather has that kind of connection with someone that fought you know Wow. In it, you know, and, and so it's, it's very hard. I think a lot of the time the, um, the people that are still deeply connected with the Confederate history have that um, family thing, like where uh, e even older people are may have even known people that were in it still. Mm -hmm. People that are 80 years old or, mm -hmm. or maybe, um, I don't know, um, I guess that is pretty long, long time ago. But either way, you know, it's just like people's family. Yeah. It still um, hasn't been that long, really. I mean, we think like slavery is like something that happened hundreds of years ago, but this no. really wasn't that long ago. I know. And it's as compared to human history and stuff, so. Well, and that's what I mean. It's the, the whole nurture aspect. There's obviously a tie to it that when considering family is a positive tie. You know, right? For some people, yeah. Oh, definitely. It's and especially in, in in the South. I don't know how it is, where else? But well, family is such a huge part. Yeah, I mean, I'm obviously no pro on the Civil War. Obviously, I, I try and learn as much as I can, and I'm an anthropologist by hobby. I love people, and I love studying. And to be in Canada and just watch the what is occurring politically in the states and socially in the states and just sort of the overall tone of it down here one can't help but be interested to study it and come into it very deep in the south has been something that is just I have been educated and I have learnt and it's beautiful and there's a there's this weird shift happening in the world and it's I don't know it's United States Ground Zero. It's not. Shit's going on all over the place, but mm -hmm. you guys got a lot of shit going on down here. I mean, we have a lot of shit going on at home, but you got a lot of shit going on down here. Yeah. I think there's always something kind of happening now in America. You know, it's it's nonstop. 
and it's way too fucking much. It's like excess all the time, and it's it's just like the news channels, twenty four seven. There's always got to be a story now. Yes, yeah, there's a story on something. Well, somebody had to break Tom Petty's death. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, for the sure. Bullshit that was. Yeah, and it, and it, like it was it was falsely reported. They were assuming <clears throat> that they that he was gonna like go out like that, and they were gonna get credit yeah. for it for being first. Yeah, he ain't. Gonna go yeah, that. yeah, he won't back down, dude. Yo. <laughs> he won't back down. Yeah, R.I.P. Tom Petty. Um, but yeah, man, there's always some kind of story running or some kind of scheme running in in America. I would say the American me- media is like the grand scheme <laughs> of of all uh, of all American things. Of course, that, it is. That it's it's the propaganda machine. Who'd have thought? Who'd have thought that could be real? George Orwell. Yeah, he did. <laughs> that could be real. Have you read that since? Uh, I dude, I you know what? I I'm trying to not watch dystopian movies anymore. I'm trying to not watch. I used to like that shit. Yeah, I know. I used to enjoy it. I know. Dystopian literature, none of that. I I read it. I read it. It broke my brain. I can't. Yeah, I got keep, halfway. Yeah, and I, I can't, was like, nope. Not I right can't, can't can't keep going down this this path because. It's just too prophetic at this point. It's like every fucking... Like Brave New World, dude. I mean, did you read Brave New World? No. Brave New World is by Aldous Huxley. That's another dystopian one. Oh, okay. Like, I read his Doors book. Yeah. What, what was that called? Fuck yeah. Doors of Perception? Doors is that what it's called? Yeah. yeah. And Heaven and Hell was sort of the edition at the end of the... That's cool. ...edition I had. Anyways, it was a trip. Continue. Um, yeah. No, that's, uh... That's all I got to say about that. No, it's, you're talking about the dystopian book that Huxley wrote. Yeah, I, I don't even want to talk about it, dude. I don't want to think about dystopias. I'm so done with dystopian. But I will go I will go see Blade Runner, the new Blade Runner, but I can't deal with... Is Blade Runner dystopian? It's like this dystopian... It's like, it's like apocalyptic post... <clears throat> Excuse me. Too many uh, goldfish... <laughs> Post-apocalyptic, uh-huh. maybe world. I don't know. I don't know. I like Chris Christopherson. Chris Christopherson is in it, so that always made Blade Runner bad. Not Blade Runner. What's Christopherson in? Blade. Blade. Fuck. Oh yeah. Blade. That's a great one. Yeah, Blade's awesome. Also, That's what I'm classic thinking. film. Sorry, I'm thinking Blade. No, Blade. I need to get some water quick. Okay, yeah, go for he it. Blade is such a badass in those. I feel. I feel like Blade is uh. Number one Marvel movie in my opinion, it's by a, by a long movie? shot. Yeah, it's a Marvel. Marvel. It's Marvel, dude. Of course it is. Yeah, sweet. Isn't that funny? Yeah, that's awesome. I didn't know. Yeah, Blade's Blade badass. Was part of that universe. Well, I, no, I don't think I don't know if he is part of like they, the. They just produced it. The MCU. That movie was just released way back in the nineties. Oh, I. How come I didn't know that Blade was a comic book by Marvel? Uh, I don't know if it is. I know Marvel did the movie. Oh, interesting. I gotta look this up. Look that shit yeah, up. Look up. Yeah, 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 look it up. Yeah, yeah, look it up. Look it up. Let's verify this. I know my, I know my Marvels. Hmm, I wonder. Hey, we have uh, Marvel references to the whole new record. Really? Yeah. Okay, so yeah, so plug, plug all your shit now. Plug like the, the new album, your Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, anywhere where people can find you, plug it. Plug it. Okay, it's Blake, B-L-A-K-E, Blake Berglund, B-E-R-G-L-U-N-D. That's everything. Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Google. I, I obviously put it in Google. Uh, it's just my name, facebook.com slash Blake Berglund. That's my Twitter handle. Websites, blakeberglund.com, yeah. And what's the name of the new record? Realms. Okay, and is it already is it already out? Is yeah, it, out it came now? out September the 1st, so it's been a month. It's a month out. Yeah, it's... It's, I guess, doing the best I can do. Yeah, it's, uh, I'm independent, I independently released it. Holla. It was interesting, yeah, man. We, I came hunting labels, and I found some really good stuff that could have probably went, become something really good. And the whole time I was dealing, uh, I just, something inside me said, well, you've done this before, and you've learned a lot, and you can do it again, and maybe you can grow something on an independent aside for my own career by releasing something 
as big of an album as it is. Um, it was a, it's a high produced, lot of lot of shit on that record. And I don't know. I figured I could do a good job by myself. So that's what we released it independently through a record label that I am just sort of on the ground level of starting called Ocean Man. That's a reference to an old song I wrote on an early record um, in my old touring van. So that's the, I guess the hip thing to say is the boutique record label. I don't know. Uh-huh. I don't really know what I'm doing. So it's just like, it's my label and maybe someday I'll get another artist and work my ass off for them somehow. But at super ground level, we just kind of do it. Don't talk about it. We just fucking do it. I have a lot of ideas and I do them do the ideas, and it turns out for us. It's kind of become this trajectory for us in our careers. Um, my partner, Belle Plain, who, there was a there was a period where she was going to do the podcast with us, and then she's a she's a good job at hanging out after the gig with people and having beers, so uh-huh. we thought it'd be best that she hung around the Legion and had some beers tonight with everybody. For sure. But she's the same way. She's an independent artist. I know she's looking for label representation, um more actively for her career than I am right now. I, I mean, I'm I'm always actively looking for people to fight the good fight with us and take a cut. Um, but she's actively looking for it right now. So there's a Bell Plane plug. If you got a label in for sure, time, you yeah. listen to her shit. It's a real good fucking record coming out. Um, so it was released independently. Uh, I was um, we are connected through. Uh, Wes and Lindsay. Uh huh. They did the publicity yep. for me in the city, and so we have some really awesome things that we're excited about that's coming still. And we're going to be in New York five days, and we're working our way back west home, and then we're immediately heading south again right after that. So it's just sort of do it, book the shows, have the tour, shake hands, try and sell CDs. I like selling CDs as a hustle, like. From the trunk of my car for sure people. so that's always propelled my career um but yeah it's a record about like say the breadth of the uh, it's a it's an allegorical concept record about the breadth of the human experience it it it's riddled um i'm a fan of authors like c.s lewis who had this very cosmic christian approach to life and joseph campbell who wrote uh, the hero's journey the hero with a thousand what's it called Hero with a Thousand Faces, and um, he basically discovered this storytelling archetype that it appears mm-hmm. in world religions. So George Lucas brought him on for Star Wars, and the Matrix follows this archetype that he has created that he discovered in world religions and, and spiritual belief systems, myths. Um, and I stay true to it with the record too. So that archetype is embedded in the, in the structure of the content that we released. So it's little rabbit holes, you know. I like I like intelligence. I read a lot, and I like intelligence. And I think that fuck, there probably could be a little more intelligence in mainstream country music today. And I think this album's a mainstream contender. It was written as a mainstream record, as far as production goes, and. Um, you know, structured songs. I think every song stands for itself, but they're all part of a greater piece. So the whole album is that concept record. Anyways, you got me talking about it, and I filled you in. Yeah, dude. I, I immediately the the thing that I thought I I listened to it earlier today, but I was like, as soon as I started listening to it, I was like, wait, hold on. I want to experience this live for the first time. Yeah, and we didn't it, really give it the best representation tonight because we were playing honky-tonk songs for that crowd. Yeah, well, I thought... It's a rather rock and roll kind of album. Yeah, I think what I, what I immediately connected with, though, is the lyrics. Like, you can, you can definitely tell that you are a, a songwriter, you know, and that... Uh, like that song about uh, what was what was the one Earth? I can't remember. Crooked old Earth. Crooked old Earth. That was my favorite one. Yeah, we played that tonight. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That and I just thought the lyrics were really strong for you know. I think as far as like you said, you were you told the story when you were on stage about how you were writing this song. You will you share share it with us on the podcast? Um, 
the writing of Crooked Olders. Yeah, was that the one that you were talking about? With my partner with Bell. Yeah, with Melanie. Yeah. Uh, well, my process for writing has always been: I go through periods where I'm writing a lot and then don't write at all, and let's hope that this period where I'm not writing at all, or at the end of that, right away, pretty fucking quick, hopefully. Um, but I was when I am writing lots, I like to write by myself. I, I have done the co-write thing. I've done the mainstream Nashville co-write thing. I've done our version of that in Canada. I've pitched songs. And they were just, I felt like, I felt like what I had the ability to do is just kind of not being used to its full extent with that approach to writing songs. So I just kind of, and with that said, I wanted to have more co-writes now, so then there's that. But um, I write a lot by myself, and it's, I, I, we always joke on stage, it's like sex. Like, you just don't, it's, you, you pull it off with another person, but to actually have a solid co-write where you're both on the same page, you're going in the same direction, you want to hold yourselves to an artistic fire, you want to have integrity in the song, I work really well with very few people. Del Barber's one of them, and my partner, Melanie, is another one of them. Um, she's a stronger wordsmith than I, so it's like playing tennis. I just, like, take her words. And she, that Crooked Little Girl song was written with her. Mm -hmm. And she's a master editor of songs. Little little words mean big differences in, in, in lyrical content. So she sort of goes through my lyrics with a fine-tooth comb and makes sure that I am saying what I want to say and that she, her voice is represented well. And we wrote Crooked Older together. It's a cutting song. It it's, has darker content to it. I don't know. I work well with her. So, yeah, that's sort of the songwriting approach. That's cool, man. Yeah, I think it, it definitely has this very organic feel to it. Like I would say, all of your music does. Um, it definitely... And what I, what I said to Wes tonight is, I can tell that this is just one shade of what you, what you do. Like the side that you showed tonight, and then you show another side um, on the actual record, you know, through the music. Yeah, yeah. What we do live, I I kind of get stressed out sometimes that what we're doing live isn't exactly what I do on records. But then I don't know if I even care. Like if it's good, if we can play the songs well as a four-piece band and not have an eight-piece band on stage, and it represents the song and it rocks and it's you know twangy, then like who's the next person to say, oh, you didn't play it like you did on the record? I don't. I don't know, if you're that person, I don't really fucking care. So, it's, you just kind of, we have our parameters as a band. We don't have a bassist. So, we tour without a bassist. And we wow. made it work because we just altered the show and altered the songs. So, the songwriting comes forward opposed to the rock and roll element of everything. Tonight, we had a bassist. I had a buddy fill in, which was pretty fun. That's awesome. awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Your bass player was great tonight. Yeah. He's cool. He's he cool. got that. He had that feel down, dude. Oh yeah. He's been playing country bass for years. Oh yeah. Shane I, Queener. What up? I think as far as bass goes, like that's some uh, drums and bass are the two most important members of the band. Big like, time. yeah, it doesn't, doesn't everyone else being good is dependent on the drums and bass being good. So you don't Absolutely. got drums and bass. You don't got shit. Exactly. You say that. Amen. Done. Well, we only have drums, so yeah. we're working at it, but yeah, yeah, you guys, you guys, <laughs> no, you guys had the drums and bass going yeah. good tonight. Yeah, it, it was, was good. He was super fun, man. Yeah, he played with Shane at Americana Fest for the first time, and he was such like a perfect fit. So it's good to have like, and he's not even a Nashville guy. I mean, he lives down here, but he doesn't go play gigs. Yeah, with everybody. He writes some great songs. He has. Um, a, a thing out in Lebanon called Poets and Punchers. It's a little music series that he has. Uh -huh. Just the cowboy guys that are singing cowboy songs. They were connected to Ian Tyson. He's buddies with Mike Beck. Ian Tyson hasn't played Poets and Punchers, but people, uh, I, I think, yeah, Mike Mike Beck has. And it's a cool little thing that Shane does. So when I knew he played bass. Um, and when we came down for Americana Fest, I was backing Melanie up. Bell, the Bell Plane act, and she hired Shane to perform. And when we switched over to the Blake Berglund act, same band, for tonight, Shane was just sort of the perfect fit. So yeah, he he swapped over well. I really I really enjoyed you guys' playing, man. It was it was 
It was. It just felt right in that venue. Yeah, the like cool. yeah, like in your your music does sound. It, it does have a cinematic element to it. Mm-hmm. Like in just that that whole scene of of. I really don't know how else to describe it other than it, it looked like a Coen Brothers. Yeah, it, it, your music like would fit in that perfect because like your lyrics are not like the typical country lyrics. Yeah, there, there's something there's something different there. You know, there there is that cosmic thing like you were kind of saying. Yeah, and it just kind of fit because it was such a strange vibe. Like if you guys started playing. All minor chords, it, it could turn into like a, a David Lynch. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. David Lynch, like. <laughs> yeah, but the crowd wasn't the crowd interesting. It yeah, was like anytime I've gone to the Legion, man, I thought like they just get up and they dance, and we had some really good dancers tonight. But I found that we they were just looking and totally attentive to the performance of the show and oh, yeah. what was what we were saying. So Melanie came up halfway through the show. She's like, "You got to tell some stories. Like they're listening to you." So yeah. that's when at that, that point was, in the that show was, great. was like, yeah. okay, I'm gonna That was a good call. Talk about some weird shit in my life right yeah. now. And every there what a good reaction we got and it was an interesting show tonight. It was more of like a honky tonk theater. Kind yeah. Kind of honky tonk theater. That yeah. I love that. Yeah, yeah. I love that. That's the name of your ne- next record, by the way. Yeah, honky tonk theater. <laughs> And then I had to hustle tips. Like I've never done that before. That's that's like the Nashville way. Would yeah. You, would oh, you yeah. say Ben? Uh, like at, do, at the yeah. jams and, and everything like that. Yeah. Like, and how is it like that town on Broadway too? Oh, it's that's the that's the money the way they get paid. Yeah. I mean, most of the time. I mean, I'm not saying they don't get paid, but but uh, that's what they do. Every band does that there. Yeah. So it's that interesting. That was completely normal. And I'm so sure. Canadian. I said sorry to people when they they're like oh, it's, they put both hands up. I don't have any money. I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. If I gotta apologize. <laughs> yeah. What did you What did you think about the hustling for tips? Did you like it? Well, now that I and then and then there's like etiquette. I didn't know, um, and I didn't think I breached etiquette. But at the end of the night, I had a couple musician buddies from here in town. Pat Reedy came up to me. He's like, dude, you gotta like stand there and you gotta you gotta. That's part of it. You got to get the money. You, you whip through yeah, it dude. quick. You should have been slower. He was like giving me tips, and then Shane, who was doing <laughs> baseball, was like, "Oh man, you got back on stage too quick. You were saying sorry to people." And I was like, "Man, I've never done that's this the, before." The salesman kind of like, "Hey, uh, how's it going? Let's I make next you time, man. I just want to play. I don't want next time. Next time I play this city, I'm gonna be the. I'm just gonna. I'm gonna do it." Fuck yeah, that's the right attitude the most, to have. The most tips that Bucket has ever had. Perfect. There you go. If that's the game, shit, let's play it. So, you, you're going to be going on tour until late November, Wes was saying? Yeah, yeah. Our first run ends on the 29th of October, and that's a month from now-ish. I guess today's the 4th. So, uh, and that takes us right back to a show that we have in Calgary is the last day of the the tour, and it's with a folk club out of there, the Bow Valley Folk Folk Club. And then I signed on to a monthly gig down here. So the third Tuesday of every month until next September, excluding this December, I play out in Lebanon, Tennessee, at a little honky-tonk whiskey Whiskey, Whiskey River. So awesome. that, that's going to... Congratulations. Yeah, thank you. Well, and it was, it, it's, it's many reasons for it. It's a, a consistent gig and it's an opportunity to build something. And I'd like to bring some Nashville artists out there on that third Tuesday of the month to do something in Lebanon. They have a great little community that, you know, you just can't go to Nashville when you want to see live music when you live an hour out of the city. Sure. So it's an opportunity for once a month to do something. And they got good good music in Lebanon, a good following. So I'm excited to build that. But that's until next September every month. So that when is, is it when is the first one? Uh, November the twenty first, I believe. It's my first one. So that's November twenty first. I gotta be outside of Nashville for for uh, for a gig, for tips. Awesome. Yeah. So it's I as a, as an independent touring artist, I need to book a tour down here, and I need to book a tour back, and then that we're going to take Christmas off because we've put a, in a really long uh, grinding year. 
So everybody needs Christmas off, and then we're going to start again at the beginning of January. We play down here the third Tuesday of January, so we're going to tour down here again and tour around. And we got a gig in Saskatoon the beginning of February, so we have to tour back. It's just it's just going to be a lot of shows, which I need. I get hard on myself. I think I suck when it comes to singing and picking a guitar and when I'm by myself. So I just need to like get a bunch of shows under my belt. So well, something really good. If it's any uh, any uh, consolation, I I think you uh, you sounded great. Yeah, I wouldn't, I I wouldn't have guessed that. that. <laughs> no, I appreciate you saying. No, that. I think I think I what, what I was gonna follow that up with is I think that's the kind of the true mark of. Uh, of the artist is always wanting to whittle away and uh, and work at it. Yeah. Because it is a craft, you know. It, it It's something that you really have to uh, to slowly chip away at. And be committed to the long and run. And be committed yeah. to the fucking long run. Yeah. Thank you. Yes, the most important aspect of this. You know, I'm, I'm planning on doing this until, like, the music... I don't think I'm ever gonna fucking retire from music. I'm gonna do it until the day I, I die. That's what that's what I hope. I hope I'm so fortunate as to do that. It's it's just like I feel music for me is just the way it's like the spiritual connection, you know, and I, I think it's it's like that for everybody who plays, okay? And I know it's like that for everybody who plays. But I feel like people disrespect that muse sometimes. I've disrespected that muse, but it's always there when you when you need it the most. What is your opinion on the muse? What the is muse. your definition of the muse? The magic in music. Yeah. The magic in music. Like, I can feel like not want to play, not want to practice. Like, I need to take a break right now. I feel like I'm, I'm overthinking everything. Maybe that's just resistance pushing back against me. But have you read the the War of Art? Yes. Okay. Oh, for sure. Just Fuck, you yeah. use the word resistance. Yeah, that, exactly. Is big. Yeah, so who, for sure. Who wrote that? Stephen Pressfield. Pressfield. Yeah. He's a, he's a really smart guy, and you know I, I I think it's so easy to stand in our own way, and I'm, I'm definitely guilty of it. But um, yeah, sometimes you know I just feel really burned out by music, and I think that's common here in Nashville. I think a lot of people start to feel that way. And some How can people, you not? Yeah. It's a grind, man. It is a grind. I, I think, for me, it's constantly about redefining those terms of how I'm doing it. And, like, I do this, you know, I, I play bass. I want to really produce. That's, like, what, what my goals are. But, you know, pretty much everything else, I'm just taking it as it, as it comes. Yeah. I'm just I'm just going towards it by doing things and things have been working out when you kind of just let go and just you have that's the secret yeah you just trust yeah you, you just, just trust, trust the process yeah uh, who is it oh Joseph Campbell once again he said it is free falling into the future you just that's the secret is you just free fall you know that you're taken care of any of us can look back on any stresses or anxieties that we've experienced in life and nine times out of ten there was really nothing to actually worry about so I mean statistically speaking fucking let go and just chill you know and that's what Joseph Joseph those are not Joseph Campbell's words dude have you ever listened to Flatbush Zombies okay so I feel like what you are to, to like that country rock sound is what Flatbush Zombies are to hip hop. Flatbush Zombies. Yeah, they're really uh, the, all their music. Like two of the guys take a lot of acid. Their names. I've are, never done acid. I've never done acid either. But they're just very interesting. Their lyrics are very psychedelic, but it's hip hop. Were you talking about them on your podcast with Derek Connor? I, yeah, probably, yeah. Yeah, that's the one I listened to today. Okay. And I know I, I when you were talking about them, you mentioned um, they they speak about something like their third eyes opening. Yeah, stuff like yeah, that, right? exactly, yeah. I was like, sure. oh, yeah, that's my jam, man, yeah, right on. Yeah, yeah, no. They're, I got to listen. Who is it again? Flatbush Zombies. Yeah, I got to listen. They're a band out of, out, of, uh, out of New York City. Um, but definitely worth checking out, man. They're cool. they're they're very interesting dudes. Super smart and uh, well, that was my attraction to Wu, like to Wu Tang was that progressive lyric, extreme. I mean, 
it, there was a lot of content that I just couldn't connect with. But I have always loved hip hop music and oh yeah, and rap and I love the production. The production's oh, it's well, it's yeah, it's. I think that's I I don't know what I think about Macklemore, but the production on a Macklemore record is so different that I don't know. That was a random thought that popped in my head. Sure. Speaking about hip hop production. Yeah, I don't know how I feel about him either, but the production is What's super. The, Blake, the guy's name is Blake. I don't know. The producer for Macklemore. I don't know what his Ryan name is. Ryan Lewis. Is there a... Yeah, Ryan... Is, it, is Ryan Lewis his producer? producer is Ryan Lewis his producer, Ben? Do you know? I don't know producers, man. <laughs> I don't know. Anyways, uh, yeah. Wu-Tang Clan, Jedi Mind Tricks. My old buddy JR got me into Jedi Mind Tricks. So, yeah. I'll have to check out the zombies. On zombies. Yeah, Black dude. Zombies. Check it out. And, um... Do you know, uh... Who L. Michael's Affair is? Nope. Okay, so L. Michael's Affair is um, this guy, Leon Michaels. He uh, he was in the like the Daptones. Oh, yeah. And he started his own label, Truth and Soul. Okay. And that's the label that, like, Charles Bradley and, okay. and all those guys, like, they were all Daptone guys, like, Daptone kind of, like, offshoot. Yeah. We played with a Daptone artist this year. It was the most fucking unreal experience. Who was it? Uh, Como Mamas from Como, Mississippi. So hmm. it's three women. Uh, they're the, the the obviously it's an acapella group, but they had a bass and a drummer backing and a lead guitar. I think was it was it an upright bass? Uh no no it electric was bass electric bass yeah and it was it was simple gospel music and it was this. It was so. It was a three-piece backing. It was a three-piece backing, three vocalists. Yeah, as I remember it, as I recall it. What was that show like? Uh, well, it was a, it was at the Regina Folk Festival. So we have a great folk festival back in Saskatchewan, the Regina Folk Fest, which we played for the first time this past summer. Um, we were given so many gifts for that weekend. We got to play with Como Mamas. We got to play with this. Frank Phone artist uh, Vox Sambu, who is, he is, I believe it's a combination of Haitian music and hip hop and Francophone influence. So it's this wild mesh um, dancing music. It's amazing. And he raps and he's great. And they put us on workshops together. So it's where a bunch of artists share a stage and just they can either play all the songs together or jump in on each other's songs or everybody plays a song by themselves for a listening audience and we were put on this this one workshop with the Como Mamas and it's like how are you supposed to jump in on something like that where they're just in this pocket soul gospel groove like it was incredible and then Box Sambu we played with and Marty Stewart could play with Marty Stewart that's cool man yeah it was super fucking cool yeah so anyways that was my Daptone connection. I, I took you off track. You were talking about... No, that's fine. That's that's all the, the kind of shit I like hearing, you know. I think what I want, I want is... Uh, I like I like when people come on and tell their stories. And I want people who are fans of you to be able to, to hear and get an idea of what the, what the artist is like. You know, that's the kind of... Thing I, I have cool fans because my fans... They're interesting people. They get it. They get that there's um, there's going to be a lot of content. They get that it's going to be not your average content. Um, I started writing a blog years or not years months ago. Last September, I started writing a blog, and, I, and it was almost like this healing process for me because I was just really being vulnerable with what I shared with people. Um, I dealt with alcohol. I, I I don't know I. Maybe I'm not even, I don't even say it, but alcoholism. Like, I drank a fucking lot. It was awesome. Good times. Anyways, <laughs> I, quit. I quit because I just couldn't. I couldn't keep doing it anymore. So, and I shared that process through my blog. And it, the fans that have really started to come towards the music and the blog and my connection with Belle Plain, it's just sort of, they're already kind of, coming into the whole story it's like the story is being told as it grows through all these different mediums I don't know the music is definitely one I was you know it's really nice to hear that 
you saw tonight as a side, and it was, and it was, it's our country music performance. That's what we love to do. We are a band that plays country music. Well, bravo. It was. I, I we, thought it was per, it was perfect. It was just like seriously, dude. I'm like, but there's so many different sides to that. Yeah. Concept. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. It's like as soon as we walked in tonight, I I leaned over to him and I was just I was just like, this place is fucking awesome. I hope this episode has the most Canadian listeners it, it's ever had. <laughs> I'll make a goddamn point of it. That that's what I really uh, I would like. You know, I feel like I can relate to uh, to Canada. I'm extending. I'll send uh, some Canadians in your direction. Yes, please send them in my direction. You know, we're really not that different. We we all grew up in the snow, uh, and growing up in the snow teaches you about something in life, I think. How do we end this podcast? Let's end it on how we're the same. How we are the same. Um, we grew up in cold weather climates. Okay, let's go deeper. How are Canadians and Americans the same? How are Canadians and Americans the same? Well, we both have first world countries. No, that's a very good point. Um, Toronto and New York City are seem kind of similar to me. Like yeah, maybe yeah, yeah, um, for sure. That's multicultural. You know, yeah, yeah the, for kind sure. of the the hub of of East Country in some ways, um, or exemplifies the country in some ways. Yeah. Um, There's definitely sister cities between the two two countries. Yep. Like like a Portland and a Vancouver or Seattle, obviously. Exactly. Seattle and Vancouver. For sure. Yeah. I think that's a good way to describe it. The urban centers are very similar. I find that the rural communities um, in both countries are just like they're so so similar. The rural communities. Yeah. For Same sure. issues. Uh, maybe a little bit of a different upbringing. Obviously, we're conditioned differently sure. because of the differences in our countries. But at the core of it all, the rural communities represent each other very, very well. Yeah. So I find that as one of the major similarities. Yeah, I would definitely agree with that. I think, uh, again, you know, away from the coast in Maine, it's usually pretty conservative. Mm-hmm. And I found that uh, culture down here, you know, is just, it's like southern and northern culture are different. Like they're they're like, I don't think it's a bad thing or anything like that. But you know, there's there's like a lot of rednecks in Maine, and I don't think a lot of people know that. Yeah, that there's rednecks in Canada. Yeah, exactly. Compared to Canadian rednecks, there's rednecks really <laughs> everywhere. I say that, and I, I I shouldn't spin such a negative tone on the word, but it all, it's almost becoming that sometimes. It almost has a negative tone. There's some good rednecks. I have a lot of good rednecks. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely, yeah. I but think. I, I shouldn't use it as negative. But it's just that backwards way of thinking. It's not wanting to be progressive, not wanting to move forward as a society. My biggest piss off is that even if climate change is a hoax, all the sol- quote-unquote solutions are to move our planet in a more positive, better direction. Why would anybody stand against that? Like, whether it's a hoax or not, so who cares? It's all good stuff anyway. It's all good stuff, so yeah. who Why would not? say no? Why like, it's yeah. fucking dumb. I mean, we're still sucking on a, on a finite energy source anyways. You know, we gotta get Sucking on a finite energy well, source, we I are. like that, yeah. We are, and true. it's so unstable. It's like our economy back in Saskatchewan, The mis- I don't know what the mistake was made, but it was reliant on that income, and it's an unstable economy, or it's an unstable industry. That's, that's, we can't rely on that shit, you know, that we're wrapping in crooked old earth lyric is some cars that we can't fix, using up all the dinosaur bones. Yeah. Yeah. It's a Chris Cornell reference. Oh, really? To, to what, uh, what, uh, what song? Rusty Cage. Rusty Cage. What album is that on? Uh, what is Rusty Cage on? Super Unknown? Is it? Super Unknown. I don't know. I, I don't know Soundgarden intimately. I, I know, I know like some of their hits, but I never got super deep into them. I definitely know like Black Hole Sun. But, yeah, that was on Super Unknown. But yeah, they, they were Spoon something Man. else. I don't think Rusty Cage was on Super Unknown. I don't know. I'm, man, I can't remember Mike Smith's name. It's whatever you're Making me smoke my candle. Perfect. Yeah. It's doing its it job. Like bad motor finger. Yeah. Fuck. 
Oh, all my vulnerabilities are coming up in this podcast. All my embarrassments. Hey, that's Whatever. what this that's what this podcast is. And the is Canadians for. have already said, man, it's cool. Don't worry it's about cool. it. It's cool. Don't worry about it. And the music fans will say it's cool. Yeah. 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 I appreciate your music fans. I guess that's sort of the the gist of our meetings over the music, so I appreciate you having that as something that you speak about on your podcast. For sure, man. I listened to Absolutely. a few of them today and I dug and it was just like, yeah, this Thank is gonna you. be a fun chat. Thank you. I really appreciate you so taking I'll do what the time I can to do. To Thank you. I appreciate people. that. Are there any are there any quotes? I, I usually try to end on a quote. I didn't have anything prepared tonight because this was the last minute. Mm-hmm. Uh what are there any quotes that you that you've seen recently or something that sticks in your mind that you want to share to end the podcast on? Oh, yeah, there is. Um, uh, now I'm on the spot for quoting it, but I'll do my best. It was yeah, by paraphrase is okay. uh, Ellie Weisel, I believe I'm pronouncing that correctly, and it says something to the extent of... By... Oh, I'm going to brutally paraphrase it. By not choosing a side, you only... Imp- Power the oppressor, never the oppressed. It's about it's about choosing a side in in standing for stuff. Man, that was brutal. It's I wish I could. I wish I used it the other day on my Facebook, and I wish I would. Well, it's a great message to share with people. We, yeah. Uh, thank you very much for coming on.